Hello and welcome to the sermon podcast of Landmark Baptist Church, New Hampshire. I pray that this message will be a blessing to you today. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19, says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. If we look at verse 23, first three words says, and in hell. We just had a missions conference, as most of you know, and the question I want to ask is, why did we have a three-day, three days in a row mission conference about world evangelism. Why would we take the time and the money and the effort to have that kind of conference? Well, the answer is because there's a real heaven, but there's also a real hell that people will go to based on how they respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. If we didn't believe in hell uh, and everybody was just going to heaven, then there would be, be no need to be, really to be here preaching this morning. There'd be no need for us to gather and open up the Bible There'd be no need for us to have a prolonged set of meetings uh, about world evangelism if there was no uh, hell, or even if there was no heaven and we just die. We're wasting our time if that's the case, and the Bible says if we don't believe in that, our faith is vain. And certainly it is if there's no heaven or no hell, but you're here this morning because uh, you probably at the very least uh, have somewhat of a belief that there's something that happens to us when we die. We don't just go into the ground. In this section of scripture we've turned to, Jesus had been talking to his disciples through parables in chapters 14 and 15, impressing upon them a number of truths concerning the Lord and concerning living for him. A parable, by the way, is an earthly story generally made up that tells a spiritual truth. He specifically gave some parables concerning going after those that are lost and wandering, as well as being a good steward of what we have. Then midway in chapter 15, Jesus turns his attention to the Pharisees, the religious leaders who are not impressed with Jesus, uh, who do not want him stepping on their authority and stepping on their traditions. And, uh, And so he turns his attention to them, those, the Bible says in verse number 14, who were covetous, who were lusting after things, whether that was money or power or glory. He turns to the covetous, And after some choice comments, he tells them the sobering story in verses 19 through 31. Verse 23, as we said, says, and in hell. This story certainly, I'm sure, got their attention and certainly caused them to listen. And he used, of course, Abraham's name in there, indicating the place Lazarus went uh, by his side in his bosom. Uh, The Jews knowing, of course, and the Pharisees knowing that he's in heaven. And so he tells this story, and I I believe this is a true story told by Jesus Christ. 
of certain men, two particular men that both died. One thing we can be sure of is that we all die, no matter who we are or what we possess. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. In this story, Jesus tells, One man was carried to heaven with Abraham, the other was condemned to hell. One was comforted, the other was tormented. The rich man's name was not given, but the poor man's name was given. His name was Lazarus. I believe here Jesus pulls back the curtain to give his listeners and any reader of the Bible thereafter a glimpse into eternal life. The fact that the rich man was rich was not a determining factor of his destination, by the way. But it did emphasize to the covetous among them that a focus on earthly riches can keep you from heavenly riches in Christ. Matthew 19, 23 and 24 then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Of course, it's not impossible because the disciples asked him, Well, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, uh, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So just because the, the fact that the man was rich, that didn't determine where he would spend all eternity. But that lifestyle did lend him to rejecting God and seeking after riches, trusting in the wrong thing. In the New Testament, in one of, I believe it's Paul's letters, he, he wrote saying that charge the rich that they're not high-minded so they wouldn't trust in uncertain riches but in the living God. And so it wasn't that he was rich, but certainly it lended itself to what happened. Neither in this story is it indicating that being poor is a necessity for going to heaven. It was instruction, though, to teach us the importance of helping the needy and not to despise anyone because of their present situation. And it reveals this, that earthly possessions are not the priority. It's all right to have them, and if God allows you to have earthly possessions and to have some wealth, praise the Lord. He wants you to be a good steward of that, and that's partly what some of these parables were that Jesus was talking about before he got to this, is be a good steward of what you have. Do what God says to do with it. Use it uh, for heavenly purposes and not just earthly purposes. And, and so that's fine, but it reveals to us as we look at this story that earthly possessions are not the priority. In fact, Matthew 6.20, Jesus said to his disciples, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. In other words, invest in that which is of eternal value, not just earthly value. And that was something repeated by Jesus over and over again. That was, actually, he lived that. He didn't have a place to call his own. Someone wanted to follow him, and he said, listen, just, just to let you know, I don't have a place where to lay my head. With some people, that would keep them away from following Jesus. Praise God, though, that whether rich or poor, salvation is for all. Jesus died for all people's sins, and anyone can be forgiven and saved. One day go to heaven where Abraham, Lazarus, and a host of other people are. That's the blessed gospel story that we sang about today. That's the truth about the Lord is, is no matter who you are or what you've done or what you have or what you don't have or where you live or how you were brought up, uh, you have an opportunity to be saved, to be forgiven, and to be in heaven one day. Whether you have things on earth or not, you'll have greater things in heaven. The Bible tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith, 
And not of yourselves. It's not about you. It's the grace of God. By believing in what Jesus did for us. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Some people I know, we want to work for it. We want to, we want to see what can I do to get it. And God says, you don't have to do anything to get it. I've already gotten it by going to the cross. All you have to do is believe it. It's not about anything we can do, as someone said. It's about what's already done. In Romans 10, 9 and 13, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, means admit who he is and what he did for you, shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart, not an intellectual belief, but a belief from the heart, believing on Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And verse 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, a per person must admit they're a sinner before holy God. They must believe that Jesus Christ alone, not added to something else, not bringing you good works in the mix, not being religious, but Christ alone and his sacrifice on the cross is the only way to heaven and the only payment for our sins that's pleasing and sufficient to God. And if you would call upon him today, he would save you. You will have eternal life. Can I ask you at this part in the message, do you know for sure, are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Very important as we consider in hell. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Will you be in heaven? Every person will spend eternity in one of two real places, either in heaven or in hell. This story tells us this. Death is not a conclusion, it's a continuation. You say, well, death, that's finality. No, that's just a continuation. And you'll spend eternity somewhere. But we also know this, as we've said, any person can escape hell if they will believe and call upon Jesus alone to be saved. If you're saved, this should bring gratitude for your salvation, but it should also bring a gravity to your spirit knowing these Bible truths. Some Christians need to have faith in hell. We talked about going by faith this week. We talked about giving by faith. We talked about Praying by faith. Some people need to know there's a hell by faith. Some Christians need to realize that there is a literal burning hell. Just as there is heaven. We like to talk about heaven and praise God for heaven. I want to go there and I'm going there. But there's a, there's a flip side to it. There's also a hell. And it's okay to talk about hell because you don't want people to go there. It's okay to talk about hell because Jesus preached about hell. It's okay to talk about hell because everyone who rejects Christ will go there. It's okay to talk about hell. In fact, good to talk about hell because there's an escape from hell. Some Christians need to have faith in hell, and unfortunately, some unbelievers won't have faith until they're in hell. And you're too late at that point. Can I tell you right now, there's a rich man right now still in hell. Still in hell. Many since the first century when Jesus told this story have lifted up their eyes in hell being in torments. That ought to break our hearts. That ought to break our pride. Well, I don't know what someone's going to think of me if I say something. That ought to break our pride to realize there's people still in hell. That ought to break our complacency. That ought to break our complacency to say we're too busy we're too concerned with our own life. We're happy we're in heaven, 
but not all that concerned about others that aren't going there. That ought to break our complacency. That ought to break our pride. That ought to break our heart, but it also ought to increase our urgency. We, we heard about that this week and also increase our fervency to reach those who do not know. I say this with all kindness this morning, but some of you maybe this morning even that are here or maybe some watching the live stream, you won't witness, you won't give, you won't serve, and you won't leave your comfort because you don't really believe there's a hell. Intellectually, I know there's a hell, but I don't always act like it. Please give your all to serve God. If there's a hell, people are worth it. If there's a hell, then we realize we can't get our time back when we die to help others escape hell. Someone here might be resisting the Spirit's conviction to believe on Jesus and be saved. Because maybe you don't know if you reject Christ, you'll have to face hell as well. That's the truth of the matter. If I lied to you, you wouldn't love me once you met eternity. But there's a hell awaiting for those, the devil and his angels, yes, but all those that would reject Jesus. If that's you this morning, and you'd say, well, I don't know, I'm going to heaven. Well, there's no middle ground. Doesn't matter what false religions tell you and lie to you about, there's no middle ground. There's heaven and there's hell. When you leave this body, when your soul leaves this body, it's going one of two places. It's not residing in the earth for any time. Your body is, but your soul's going somewhere. It's not in some inter intermediate state where you may have a chance. No, once you die in this life, that's it. Where will you spend eternity? Will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? The quicker you can answer that question, the sooner you can get it right and know for sure you're going to heaven. We notice from Luke 16, just a few simple points this morning. Luke 16, that in hell there's no comfort. Well, I'll just go to hell with all my friends. There's not going to be any comfort there, friend. There's no comfort. Notice what it says. In hell, he lifted up his eyes. Those next three words says, being in torments. Why is there torment? In verse 24, the man says, I am tormented in this flame. In this flame. In Matthew 13, 49 through 50, it says, So shall it be in the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There should be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And when you're gritting your teeth and you're, you're gnashing your teeth, it's because you're in immense pain. And when you're wailing, it's not just a teardrop coming down your eye. There's crying and screaming. That's not a pleasant thought. I'm just telling you what the truth of it is. There's a real fire causing excruciating pain with wailing and gnashing. But it's not necessary because Jesus died for all. But no, in hell, there's no comfort. There's no comfort. You won't be relaxing. It's not going to be furniture to sit on. You're not going to be at ease in any, any definition of the word. There's no comfort. Immediately when he died, he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. In hell, there is no relief. We see the rich man crying out for some, some comfort, just a little drop of water, but he was told he couldn't have it. He was told, but now he is comforted, speaking of Lazarus, but thou art tormented. He couldn't have just 
Just a drop of water, like a drop of water would have made much of a difference, but I, I suppose in that situation, just a little drop would bring some comfort, some relief. But the torment in hell and the flames are forever, just like the blessing and joy of heaven are forever. Matthew 25, 41 says that he shall say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now make no mistake about it, we all deserve hell. Amen? I'm not saying we like it or we want it, but we all deserve it. Why? For the wages of sin is death. That death is separation from God for all eternity. And yes, the fire's bad, but the fact of just being separated from all that's good and godly and from God himself is a torment all in and of itself. And you add the physical pain that's involved forever and ever, you can see there's no relief. Everlasting. Everlasting. Matthew 25, 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. There's no relief in hell. There's no point where the fire ends. There's not even death which would quench the pain. Just looking forward to death, that's not going to happen. Well, just, just a minute, just a second, just, just, just a drop, just something will not happen. But I remind us again, it's not necessary because Jesus died in your place. Jesus took the penalty of death for you. What makes, what makes the sacrifice of Jesus so great is the fact that we're such great sinners and we have such a horrible destination before us. But if we would just put our faith in Jesus who took the pain and took the, the death and the grave for us, and if we would just put our faith in Him, we would be free. In help there is no... In hell, there is no comfort, there is no relief, there is no escape. He was trying to get something to him or him to something, and, and he's told there's a great gulf fixed where you can't go back and forth. There's a great gulf between heaven and hell. There's a great gulf fixed that no man can cross. There was no way for anyone to get to him that doesn't belong there, and there was no way for him to get out. He was stuck forever. Once a person dies and lifts up their eyes in hell, there's no escape. No one can pull them out and listen, no one can pray them out. That's not an option. There is such a huge gulf between heaven and hell which no man can pass. Not after you die anyway. Can I say there is a way though now while you're still living. There is a way now for that neighbor and relative and friend and person you walk, walk by on the street or that person you go to work with, there is a way for them uh, uh, to bridge that great gulf of heaven and hell. There is a way to pass from death unto life. There is a way to pass from hell unto heaven in this life. And Jesus Christ made that way. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, he spanned the huge gap that would cause, cause us to plunge into hell. With his love and by his blood shed on the cross to cover our sins and to satisfy the righteous judgment of God. And it is righteous judgment. His wrath is righteous. His wrath is just. We deserve it. But because of his great mercy and the sacrifice of his son, we can escape it. Because of the love of God. God does not desire any person to go to hell. In 2 Peter 3.9, the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Say what? 
What promise? The fact that he's coming back one day. And, Pete, and, and it tells us in that, in 2 Peter, that people say, well, they're mocking him and they're scorning. Well, Jesus hasn't come back yet. You keep saying he's coming back. These Christians, Jesus is supposed to come back. Where is he? I don't see him. If they only knew he's not coming back because he's long-suffering. If they only knew he's not coming back because someone else needs to be saved. He's not coming back because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, we understand not all people will be saved, not all people will be born again, but his desire is that they would. And his sacrifice has made provision so that all can if they choose. He's not willing that any should perish because he knows what that consequence is for rejecting him. No person has to end up in hell. If you are unsaved at this moment, you can be saved only through believing on Christ, and then you'll know you'll be in heaven. Jesus made a way for you through the sacrifice on the cross. It says in 1 John 5, 11 through 13, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to question it. When you believe upon Christ for your soul's salvation, you know that you presently have eternal life. I know right now I have eternal life. And when I die, that'll just be a continuation of eternal life. You can know that. What a blessing to know. Because of believing on Christ. Christian, this morning, let us ponder on hell for a time. Listen, I know it's not pleasant, but it would be very profitable. Let us ponder on hell for a moment. Let us read this story Jesus tells. Let us read the other passages in Matthew and, and, and others in the Gospels that Jesus talks about. Let us go to the, the, the end of uh, the Bible where it talks about what will happen to all those who are not found in the book of life, and that's those who haven't put their faith in Christ. It tells us in Revelation 20, 15, whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not because God is cruel, God is loving and long-suffering. Uh, not because they didn't have an opportunity, they had an opportunity, but they chose to reject him. Or further yet, some have never heard because we haven't told them. Think about that, Christian. Ponder hell for a time. May the reality of people in hell stir us and embolden us to reject our pride, our comfort, our feelings, or our fears, and tell of the wonderful words of life found in the gospel of Christ. We just had this missions conference, and praise God for it, it was well attended, and, and I know God stirred our hearts, and I'm thankful for all those that were here. But let us remember a part of that, of why we're doing that, is because there's a hell. Because there's an eternity we have to consider that every person will face. And I imagine an unbeliever looking on, uh, on us, and someone who doesn't believe in Christ or doesn't believe in the Bible looks at us, and we tell them, I believe the Bible, and I believe what Jesus did. They must think, we're very uncaring and lukewarm if we've never told them about Jesus and warned them about hell. Can you imagine if I was unsaved and, and you said, man, I believe, in, I believe in heaven, I believe in hell, and I believe all those without Christ will go there, but you've never 
taken the time or stepped out of your comfort zone to tell me, I'd either think you were very uncaring and unloving and you didn't care about me or I thought you don't believe the Bible. May we not be in that state, Christian. This conviction all the way around here, including up here when I say those things. We're so concerned about things on the earth, we forget there's an eternity. We're concerned about our comfort, we realize, or we forget that there's no comfort in hell. We, we're so concerned about our own relief, I want to get some relief from this, man, I'm tired, I'm this, I'm that, but we forget that there's no relief in hell for all eternity. We want to escape this reality that we live in, but we realize one day people in hell will never escape their reality. There are people in hell right now. There are people headed for an eternity in hell. We must go by the grace and power of God to snatch them out of hell. We don't win them, but we can warn them. We don't save them, but we can certainly tell them about the Savior. Jude 22 through 23 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. At the end of this story, the rich man cries out for someone to go and tell his brothers of that awful place. Look at verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, speaking to Abraham, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. The rich man in hell became an evangelist real quick. And he said, send someone. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the scriptures. Let them hear them. Believe the scriptures. Let them believe what, what has been written, what God has said. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Sadly, Jesus died and rose from the dead, and many don't believe on him. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they're not going to believe the Bible, it doesn't matter if someone came from hell, half burnt, and said, listen, this is real. We would explain it away by something. We know that's not going to happen because there's no escape from hell. But if we won't believe what the Bible says, why would we believe if someone came back from the dead and told us? He said, they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. He cries out for someone to go and tell his brother. He didn't want them there. He knew he couldn't do anything about himself, but he, he desired someone. And, and perhaps even at this very moment, there's many crying out in hell in the darkness for no one to hear them, to say, someone go. Someone tell my brother. Someone tell my sister. Someone tell my neighbor. Someone tell my friend. I don't want them coming here. You hear their cries. Some folks won't be in hell because some will take this message to heart and go with the renewed zeal. Let that be you. Let that be me.